Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, rejoined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Welcome back to the show, Wes. Yeah, thank Glad you. Glad to have you. I was worried at first that maybe my pass card when I was walking back into the building wasn't going to work. <laughs> and, you know, I'd be just sitting oh. outside with all of my you know, boxes and office supplies. But fortunately... I still have a desk, and obviously I still have a spot. We thank Aaron for joining you, which I thought was a pretty good episode. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good conversation, uh, but we are certainly glad to have you back. A lot to talk about here, Wes, as the Packers have just finished two joint practices with the Houston Texans. The preseason opener against those same Texans is coming up Thursday night at Lambeau Field. But I want to start this show with some brief recollections on an all-time Packers great. He was back in the building on Tuesday. Jordy Nelson making his retirement from the NFL official, retiring as a member of the Green Bay Packers. He didn't stand at the podium and give a speech. He just said, all right, I'll take some questions. <laughs> and uh, But some, uh, some interesting little anecdotes that, uh, that came out from his career. Just your, your memories, your recollections of number 87. I want to first off mention I actually asked Tremont Williams about that this week. The <laughs> fact that if it was kind of funny seeing Jordy have a retirement yeah. ceremony, considering Jordy's never been a guy that really wants to be in the spotlight. In Tremont, as Tremont always does, found a phenomenal way of conceptualizing everything where he said, you know, the one thing that he understood, Jordy understood, was that even though he didn't want to be in the spotlight, the way he played on the field put him in the spotlight. And if you're going to be there, you have to be able to carry yourself in a way in which you're not only a top-flight Pro Bowl receiver, but you're going to be a leader on this team. And yeah. I think, as you saw as well with guys speaking around the locker room this past week, consistency and leadership were the two you know, kind of buzzwords when it comes to Jordy Nelson. From a play-style perspective, I haven't covered the NFL for a long time, Mike. Uh, you know, I, I know there's been great receivers that have come before Jordy Nelson. There'll be great receivers that come after Jordy Nelson. But I don't know if there's anyone that I've covered that's made my jaw drop as much as Nelson did with his play. And and when I was asking some players in the locker room this past week, you know, when they think of Jordy Nelson, what do, what comes to mind? So many of them, as I think even Jordy did, mentioned that play in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, the sports science sideline catches, <laughs> the things that he could do that went above and beyond what a receiver should be able to do. Maybe not biologically, but that sort of telekinesis that he had with Aaron Rodgers to yep. be in the right place at the right time. And then, by the way, when you're in the right place at the right time, making an out-of-this-world catch. When I think of Jordy Nelson and 10, 15 years go by, those will be the memories that come to mind first. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it definitely is the connection, the chemistry, the camaraderie, every A pair of kings, you could it. say. Yeah, with Aaron Rodgers. As I've mentioned, I think, before on the show, a couple years ago, Rodgers and Nelson were the cover story for the Packers yearbook, and I was fortunate enough to get about a half-hour sit-down in a room, just the three of us, had both of them together. And I've never asked so few questions, Wes, in a half-hour interview, because all I had to do was bring up a play, bring up a moment, and... Rodgers and Nelson started talking. I mean, we all know about Rodgers' recall of yeah. details and everything like that. Jordy Nelson's not far behind. And that's part of the reason he had that connection that he had with Rodgers, because he remembered everything. And I think in some ways, 
as disappointing as it was, obviously, that with the great start to 2017 and Jordy had six touchdown catches in the first five games, but then Aaron Rodgers ends up breaking his collarbone and Jordy Nelson's last season doesn't finish the way it started, it's fitting in some ways that his last touchdown catch as a member of the Packers, which he's second all-time in touchdowns, and he and Rodgers as a tandem have combined for more touchdowns than anyone else in Packers history, it was in Dallas prior to the dramatic Devontae Adams last-second touchdown catch. But it was on an adjustment at the line of scrimmage that the two of them had talked about and that they both remembered from a game in Miami in 2014 that this is three years later than in 2017 that they connect on a touchdown in the back of the end zone in Dallas, and that ends up being his last touchdown as a Packer. It almost doesn't get more fitting than that in the big picture. Well, it also is something that perfectly encapsulates their relationship, their friendship, and their partnership yeah. over all those years. I remember there was a story I wrote that technically was on Aaron Rodgers for the game program, which was in 2017, I believe. And I had mentioned to him, and he was almost kind of taken back by it for a moment, that him and Nelson at that point in time, there was no other quarterback and receiver in the NFL that had been together for as long as they had been together. Yeah, And yeah, it wasn't tenure. even close. It was by like two or three years Um, because one you just don't find receivers and quarterbacks that are that good that are able to stick around that long together kind of in that same age vicinity now you start to see it more where it's the the Aaron Rodgers and a younger guy like Devontae Adams or you know what Drew Brees has done with the litany of receivers that he's worked with over the years and that relationship when you can get two guys playing together for 10 years the the amount of knowledge and trust that you develop with that individual. The other thing, too, about Jordy Nelson that I've always found to be really insightful into the man he is, he wasn't the kind of guy that was ever going to stand at his locker and give you this ESPN breaking news, first of the broadcast type quote. But he was accountable, and he always carried himself in a way in which he reflected the direction you wanted the team to go. I, I don't think I ever left a Jordy Nelson interview thinking, man, this team has no shot. Uh, this, <laughs> this, you know, this thing isn't going to get worked out. He was a consummate professional that always stressed going back, learning from your mistakes, and being able to make those adjustments and move forward. And I thought the perfect example, that was 2016, one of his last big years here in Green Bay. The fact that Things were going in the direction they were. People started questioning things. Rogers utters the words, we're on the table. And we talk so much about that moment. Mm-hmm. But if you go back and look at the, the locker room stuff and, and listen to Jordy's interviews at that time, he was saying all along, he's like, we just got to work at this thing. We got to get it going in practice, and it'll translate to the field. It's not like they just snapped their fingers in the tide of the season change. Right. It was a, a mental toughness and confidence that they were going to be able to find a way and and again with Nelson and Rodgers leading that offense for all those years it it doesn't surprise me at all that they end up having the success that they did yeah I mean the number of memories that have flooded back into my head over the last couple of days I mean whether you're talking about the nine catches for 140 yards in the Super Bowl which could have been 12 catches for 200 (laughs) yards uh the way things were going and unfortunately Nelson had a couple of drops but to his credit 
um, just kept battling in that game, filling in for Donald Driver, taking on a larger role in the Super Bowl than the third-year wide receiver at that time could have ever imagined. But with Driver leaving that game with the broken ankle, I remember 2014, he beats Darrell Rivas of the Patriots on the slant and then just outruns him all the way across the field to the pylon for a touchdown. You mentioned the the tiptoe sideline thing in San Francisco, which sort of started a, uh, a sequence of those throughout the course yeah. of that season and in future seasons with his footwork on the sideline. And it took back shoulder throws else. to an entirely different level, not yeah. to jump over you. But I mean, yeah, it's absolutely. one thing to connect on the back shoulder. It's another thing to do what him and Rodgers were able to do with Yeah, him. I mean, he has, his, he has his career year in 2014 when Rodgers wins his second MVP. He um, unfortunately loses the 2015 season to an ACL, then wins NFL Comeback Player of the Year honors in 2016, and finishes that season playing with a flak jacket with broken ribs in the NFC Championship game against Atlanta. I could go on yeah. and on and on. Like I say, it's just all the memories of everything that have that have come flooding back. Hopefully, I was able to capture his sentiments and some of mine as well in the piece that's on Packers.com right now under the headline of Jordy Nelson Reflects on his remarkable career, but uh, um, the memories are just endless. Yeah, they are, and, and it was a great story. The one thing I'll leave this section on, him mentioning uh, about when he told his son they were going to move back down to Kansas, <laughs> they're going to move home to Kansas. He's like, but Green Bay is home. Yeah. And when you think about it, when he played 10 years there, I think Royal now is maybe 8 or 9, somewhere around there, maybe yeah. even 10. He, his whole life was spent in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Sure. So, yeah, when you think of home, when you think of where you're born, that's home. So it's a special place, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more of Jordy Nelson in years to come here. Yeah, hopefully for sure. Um, a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Let's do Select it. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. All right. The team at hand, the 2019 Green Bay Packers, a couple of joint practices with the Houston Texans in the book leading up to Thursday night's preseason opener. What were your general thoughts, just your overall takeaways from the two days of practice with the Texans? First time the Packers have had joint practices in training camp with another team since 2005. Did you get a chance to watch many of the offensive line and defensive line one-on-one drills? Only a little bit, actually, more more on Monday than on, on Monday. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, so I watched both on both days. Uh, more so the Packers' defensive line against uh, the offensive line of the Texans. And this isn't to say they don't always try. I think those are a very competitive drill yeah. when you watch them, you know, good on good. But there just seemed to be a little extra kick and energy in those when they were going up against the Texans. I sense that, too. Uh, it just seemed like the, the collisions were just a little bit more forceful and it just seemed like guys were trying a little bit harder uh in wanting to show them to be the superior side and the one thing that my biggest takeaway from it was is Rashawn Gary can play uh <laughs> he has the he has it in him we want to see it in some games now but yeah it translates he was going up against Matt Khalil on Monday and he looked great he won two reps there he had two really comp- competitive reps on Tuesday Zadarius Smith phenomenal I think I used him as my thing on three things. Kingsley Keekley, the rookie fifth-round pick. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter this year, but he has some twitch in him that I think is really special for a fifth-round player. So I enjoyed watching that. And then obviously you, you can't avoid it. I mean, there were there were a couple scuffles there. Jay Sternberger took a pretty heavy hit. Yeah, It's interesting when you go back and look at it. I saw somebody on Twitter brought up the video. I didn't realize this, but Jay Sternberger had a pretty good stiff arm on Lonnie Johnson last year in a – 
college game that led to a big touchdown. Yeah. Not saying that that's where that came from, but people don't forget. Yeah, so. you never know. You never know. But th- that was probably my biggest takeaway was was the one-on-one drills and then obviously some of the extracurriculars. Yeah. The uh, Unfortunately, Jay Sternberger is being evaluated for a concussion now, even though he did actually come back into practice on Monday. Uh, Trevor Davis also unfortunately took a took a hit in a special teams drill. The special teams, the kickoff cover and kickoff return in particular, they were going full speed aside from actually tackling the guy with the ball. And uh, unfortunately, Davis, who as we've talked about, has had a great camp. He had a great family night. Now he's out with a stinger. Hopefully, it won't keep him out long because that's a uh, uh, that's a young man who was definitely making a really really strong bid to be on this team. And it had nothing to do with returns. No, I mean we haven't seen much in terms of returns in this camp. The reason why Trevor Davis is making headlines and getting interviewed in the locker room is because what he's doing as a receiver. Yeah. Uh, this is by far, it's not even close, the best camp he's had in Green Bay. Yep. He looks no comfortable. He's in sync with Rodgers, and he's always had game-breaking speed. Um, so trying to get him on the same page with Rodgers and get him in tune with this offense, if that happens and if he can get back from this injury so we can see him in the preseason, I really hope fans who aren't able to get to practice are able to see that Trevor Davis in the preseason setting because he's been exceptional so far. Yeah, hopefully he'll be back sooner than later. Um, with the preseason opener Thursday night at Lambeau Field, we all know these preseason games, it's not about wins and losses. It's not necessarily about the number of points that are on the scoreboard. It's about individual player performance, player evaluation, and this is just the start, obviously, the first of four preseason games. The most important film, frankly, that any of these players who are fighting for roster spots are going to uh, are going to have in terms of making their impression on the coaches, on the personnel staff. Who are Who's the first guy that comes to mind for you that you're going to be watching closely on Thursday night? Tim Boyle. Okay. And the main reason why someone asked an insider inbox, and it was a fair question this past week on how the backup quarterbacks have looked. My reply was they've had their moments and they've had throws they want back. All three of them have had that. I mean, even to some extent, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has had that, but we all know he'll be the starting quarterback in week one. But the three guys vying to back up Rodgers and then make a case for that number three role on the 53-man roster, I want to see it in games now. Deshaun Kaiser has made some exceptional throws so far early on, and he's had some tough moments as well. I actually think Tim Boyle, in the reps he's had with the threes, has looked good. He, he's making the right reads. He's, he's been able to move the ball. Uh, trying to cut down on some of the mental errors is going to be critical for him. But this is the reason I said Boyle is we didn't really get a chance to see him that much last year in the preseason. If I remember, he barely played at all those last two weeks. So if he can get the chance to get out there and get comfortable – I really want to see if he can push Kaiser for that number two job. Yeah. And Manny Wilkins is entirely different than the other two. His skill set and what we've seen in camp so far, he can make throws. He has a live arm. He's athletic. He's a scrambler. But he's just not like anyone else on this roster. So I want to see how that looks in a game, too. So it's probably an easy answer for me to say the quarterbacks. But after talking, you, you can talk six different ways from Sunday about how guys look in practice when they're throwing the football and days are going to be good and days are going to be bad. Let, let's see what happens in a game because with that, there's only four of them and you have to make them count. Yeah, and I think this is a big game along those same lines. The first guy that comes to mind for me is Deshaun Kaiser because yeah. based on what we have seen in practice, Deshaun Kaiser right now, if you had to pick it, he's the number two sure. quarterback on yeah. this team. So he has to use these preseason games to solidify that. 
um, solidify his status there and uh, and continue to generate the confidence from the coaching staff and the personnel department that he can be that guy. With what he's done so far in training camp leading up to this first preseason game, you don't want to see a step backward. You don't want to see a step back from, from anybody, but certainly from Kaiser with the way his relief appearances for Aaron Rodgers last season did not go well. As you said, he has definitely made some plays. I think he's flashed the most out of all of the backup quarterbacks in camp so far. Now it's got to, it's got to find another level yep. in the preseason. Absolutely, and, and for Kaiser, he's still incredibly young, but he also is in his third season now. You want to see those strides. I think I've said before, mechanically, his size, his prototype, he has everything you look for in a quarterback. It's trying to tie it all together and mesh with Matt LaFleur's scheme. And he has some good receivers that are going to be hungry to compete with him in these games as well. I mean, yeah. you're, you're from two to seven, it's a wide <laughs> open competition. And heck, Mike, another guy that I'm going to be looking at too is Darius Shepard. Uh, the, the former tryout receiver from North Dakota State. Right. Here's a guy that's getting reps with the number ones. Darius Shepard now needs to go out there and prove that he's not just Ty, Tyrone Walker who's going to go out and make some impressive catches in the preseason and then just come up short when it comes time to make the roster. He's trying to actually make a bid at this thing too. So seeing those young, hungry receivers try to make some plays for these quarterbacks too is going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Yeah, and if there's another guy, and I don't want to get too much more into the receivers, obviously we're going to be watching them and we'll certainly talk about them after the game. But if there's another guy on offense that this is a big game and I'm certainly going to be watching, I think it's worth fans watching for number 70, Alex Light, at offensive tackle because the Packers just waved injured Jason Spriggs, the fourth-year backup offensive tackle. Alex Light is now the number three tackle on this roster behind David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga. The coaching staff likes him. They like what they see. And it's about it's him doing it in the games now in, you know, under the bright lights and in, in the big setting. This is a huge opportunity for him to really cement his status and where he stands on this roster. And uh, he, he's going to be a guy to watch throughout the entire preseason. And he's getting the reps, too. And I think you're going to see him play a lot this preseason because I don't know how much we're going to see Brian Balaga. I mean, right. they obviously have a plan for Balaga. They want to keep him healthy. He's in a good spot right now. He's had a full off season. They don't want any setbacks there. So Alex Light's going to play a lot. And his biggest challenge here these next four weeks is going to be showing that, you know what, I deserve to be that number three guy. I deserve to be the swing tackle. Yep. You don't have to start creating strange dominoes where if one of those guys goes out, well, then Billy Turner's kicking out or you're having to put you know Justin McCray out there or, or move Lane Taylor around. I'm your guy, and that's going to be a pivotal thing for him. Yep. I like his disposition. This guy came out of nowhere last year, Mike. I mean, one of the reasons I've said this before in Inbox that I don't make predictions on the roster, I honestly didn't have Alex Light making the roster. I didn't, I didn't no. see – him coming on like I think James Campen and some of these scouts saw him coming on, and that's because I don't have an eye for talent in that way. It's not anything <laughs> against Alex Light. Right. But he came out of Richmond, he was an undrafted free agent, and he made his presence felt, and now he has a million-dollar opportunity here to show that he belongs. Yeah, well, quickly on the defensive side of the ball before we run out of time, the guy I'm going to be watching is Tony Brown, the young cornerback, number 28. Aaron Nagler and I talked about him on our previous show. But with Kevin King out right now with a hamstring injury, Tony Brown has been the guy with the starting nickel defense as far as the three corners. Jair Alexander, Tremont Williams, and Tony Brown is the third guy. He got some reps against DeAndre Hopkins these last couple days with the Houston Texans in town. We'll see how much the Texans play their starters. As we talked about, we're not sure how much the Packers are going to play theirs in this first game. 
But again, a guy who's done everything in training camp that you want a guy to do up to this point. So now you get to where you want to see it at another level in a competitive game setting. You don't want to see any regression. You don't want to see a setback. Tony Brown, for me, is that guy on defense. And something I want to say about Brown, too, and I think this is the shift you've seen with the Packers cornerbacks over the last few years, Tony Brown has a lot of potential in him. This is a guy you're talking about here that was one of the top recruits in the country when he committed to Alabama. He ends up being an undrafted free agent. He's an undrafted free agent that is an incredibly intelligent human being, book smart, great football IQ, and he's really fast too. Yeah, he's got So he's it got doesn't really ability. line up that he ended up being a college free agent, but the Packers felt very strongly about him that when he came free during cutdowns, they put in that waiver claim, they got him on their roster. They've had a situation in previous years where you'd have guys step in at cornerback and they sort of were maxed out from a physical aspect. They weren't going to get faster. They weren't going to get taller. They weren't going to get quicker. Maybe they were smart, but there was athletic drawbacks there that just were going to prevent them from being able to cover the elite receivers in this league. Tony Brown's measurables match up with anybody. Yeah. So working with Jason Simmons, if he can get that turned around and figured out, this isn't a huge drop-off. It isn't that if you don't have Kevin King or Jair Alexander, there's just going to be this big hole. Tony Brown has a lot of potential here, and it's up to him to show it. Yeah, definitely. Well, with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of the preseason opener against Houston on Packers.com. Like us, subscribe to us on iTunes and other podcast services, if you would please, on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.